0: Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Mid Backstage. Thanks so much for joining us today. I am sitting down to chat with Chris Johnson. Now, Chris Johnson, if you are in the jazz sphere, the sphere of jazz that is Detroit, you know, the MSU jazz program, you have probably heard Chris Johnson's name. He's a, you know, trumpet player who spent 11 years with the Count Basie Orchestra plays with all sorts of artists. He's a film scorer, he's an arranger. You know, he had a lot of passion projects last year during quarantine and different facets of his life revolve around education, you know, performing, producing, writing. He's a very multifaceted dude, and it was great to just hear some of his stories, hear some of his insights and wisdom from all that hard work, and it'll be awesome to see how people respond to it and how it motivates them. If you like today's podcast episode and you want to contribute to my podcasting efforts, you can head on over to patreon.com slash There you can contribute at different tier levels to get early access to the podcast episodes in audio and video format, as well as exclusive merch and more. You can also head over to dutchersnedeker.com to see everything else that I'm up to around the internet and don't underestimate your social currency every like share follow whatever platform you happen to be interacting with the podcast on share it out into the ether it helps the algorithm which really just helps me you know it helps me it doesn't help the algorithm it just helps me so if you want to help me that way that is awesome as well all right let's get right into today's conversation with chris johnson surface level like was it the song or like was it was the music or the lyrics that came yeah like all right th- sure I'll answer that for the hundredth time today. <laughs> yeah for sure
1: for sure. I got you man. Yeah. Yeah. Well do man. Well let's 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 do it. I'm excited man. Thanks for yeah. having
0: me. Yeah. Yeah no problem. Thanks for making time. I mean you you're I found out about you through uh Evan Taylor
1: Oh nice, okay, yeah, yeah,
0: we played uh, together in uh, the Benjamin James band for a couple of years. very cool, so I cool. met all those msu adjacent jazz people and and uh um I saw that he I think the first thing I saw was the that virtual big band thing you did
1: oh nice, yeah, yeah, yeah and man, that's a that's an intense experience. <laughs> yeah
0: I, I I saw that you like packaged it into like a you know like you could do this too and I was like huh I, I'm kind of curious it's, it's
1: <laughs> tempting man it's tempting yeah I put, I put the whole thing together made it very streamlined that's kind of like my thing you know
0: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and keeping it like I, I imagine you know the level of organization that you need to wrangle you know 15 musicians around the country yeah
1: <laughs> It's pretty, pretty, pretty high for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> was that just, was that always like, uh, like, a, an idea you've had in the back of your head or was it like, oh, I'm doing things more remote. Let's try this out.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I think having a big band was always something that was in my head, um, you know, I played with the, the Con Basie orchestra, you know, for like 11 years. And so oh, okay. uh, I did arranging, you know, lots of arrangements for them, including a couple that made it on, on some albums, but it was always a dream of mine to have my own big band and I would arrange tunes, like, you know, whenever I was working at a university or something like that, I'd get my arrangements played or youth groups, but to have mm-hmm. a professional big band in my name, primarily focusing on my music or slash my arrangements. And so pandemic hit and it was like, okay, what are we, what are we all doing here? Everybody's sitting at home and you know trying various things did a lot of you know doing loop therapy a lot of solo videos things of that nature but i was like all right well not really doing that much why not start a virtual big band that's literally how it came about <laughs> so then i didn't know like how i was going to do it but i just started kind of creating a process it's like all right well everybody's going to need a guiding track so i had done enough remote projects where i knew about you know making mock-ups and guiding tracks i was like well really what is a saxophone player What does lead alto need to record they need to be able to hear the rhythm section and trumpet so i got in created a mock rhythm section for the entire yes or no arrangement that's the first tune we did and then i recorded my lead trumpet part and the solo flugelhorn part and sent that to caleb curtis in new york I was like hey man record you record alto to this then i had his them i'm like well what do the rest of the saxophone players need they basically just need to be able to hear lead alto and, and rhythm section so i sent trumpet lead alto and stuff to the rest of the saxes have a man Christian Foreman record all the trombone parts. He could hear everything he needed to. Once I did a submix of the horns and the horns sounded good. Everybody recorded their parts. I was like, all right, that worked out really well. Cause it was just following yeah. the leader. Then let me send that to the rhythm section. So the rhythm section can kind of interact with the arrangement. The crazy part is the rhythm section, none of them could hear each other. So basically, you know, you take mock piano, bass, drums, guitar, and the bass player was recording with all those mocks and just muted the bass part.
0: Guitar player
1: muted the guitar part and was recorded. So they all recorded to the mocks, which again, if you think about it, if they're all hearing the same mock that works well together, then essentially they're really gonna kind of have similar performances. But then you get all these like, kind of just dope coincidences that, I mean, I love listening back to it. Like keep in mind, like they couldn't hear each other, but they still had this communication. It's like this beautiful synergy. So we did the first one and people kind of like freaked out over it and we weren't really doing much of anything else. So I just started creating a bunch of new arrangements and you know, using some older arrangements and got a lot of different people involved and it just kind of evolved into something really, really dope uh, that I'm really proud of. Uh, then after that, we started getting some commissions. Uh, uh, Kamal Kenyatta commissioned quite a few arrangements of, of some of his original compositions. And so put that together and then I was like, guys, we can actually get paid to do this. So that's cool. Um, wow. <laughs> And, yeah started getting hired by a couple of organizations who had youth groups and different stuff like that like well, we want to be able to have something engaging for our students so uh for a minute there you know at like especially at like the height of remote work i you know my business was was mainly in the business of making like these like multi-framed videos and mixing audio together it was it was pretty rad We're still still doing them not, not with the same frequency now that people are playing together in person but um mm-hmm. Uh, got another commission coming in soon from Kamal Kenyatta there's definitely still some interest it's pretty it's pretty dope I'm very thankful
0: yeah that's great like just to have you know I guess quarantine had this the time whether or not we all wanted time <laughs> some or some people you know didn't realize they needed time probably <laughs> yeah and, uh, yeah to have the the space to like try something and then see it like oh this is now it's not just a fun thing that I learned a lot from it's, it's something that can be used out in the wild. Now that things are, you know, creeping slowly more towards some kind of normal,
1: (laughs) some kind of, it's not going to be the same, but some kind of hybrid version of what we knew and what's, what's to come, you know?
0: Yeah. The, the blending of, of what was and what is and what, you know, Yeah,
1: what could have been, right? (laughs) Um, I mean, and honestly, for me, I'll say you know, there's for for quite some time, like between like recording remotely, and I've always had a, uh, always had a you know a home setup, you know for for years now, probably since like 2007. So like I'm used to bouncing files back and forth to musicians and doing recording remotely. It was just this was like everybody was doing everything remotely, and it's a big band, so it's a little bit more involved, but honestly i really appreciate the ability to be able to record from home i I appreciate the ability of my musicians being able to record from home of course like the dream is you know and i'm excited to get a big band together in person for sure but still there's so much progress to be made and so much music to be made and it's a very efficient process you know you think about showing up to a studio worrying about everybody else playing their parts perfectly or you might play your part perfectly and they jack something up and everybody's got to like record their stuff over again But you also think about from the comfort of your own own home by the time you get lead trumpet and like lead alto or lead bone like their part is already perfect and then you just have to focus on your individual job
0: Mm.
1: it makes a little bit more work on the band leaders end of course there's a lot more editing i have to do but then i also have complete and total isolation so i actually really enjoy this process um as long as everybody's using you know quality microphones and good recording practices we're we're in good shape to be able to make some dope music
0: yeah, and then and then when the band can get together to do like, you know, like a live recording or something, you all have the the practice of that kind of discipline that's needed to do everything remotely. Oh yeah,
1: for sure. For sure. I mean, it's like a up. whole <laughs> it's like a whole other level because there's already such a connection that's been made, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's I think people underestimate too like, you know, the the level of things in the chain of trying to have video and audio that can go weird (laughs) and you know little hiccups and syncing issues and yeah yeah, and even just like i i realized like i I was exporting a video the other day and i'm like you know it it was from my laptop which is the first mistake so it took like two hours to (laughs) to render and then you know that I was like, oh, it only made it to 98%. Like what is wrong? And I like checked all the settings and checked everything. And then it was, you know, like, oh, I have too much memory because all these other videos are <laughs> on my on my hard drive.
1: And, of course, of course.
0: Yeah, it's, it's definitely a process I had to learn more last year. i have semi-used to recording remotely, um, or at least, you know, if I'm at a studio, the client is not necessarily always there um sure for sure
1: yeah i mean and honestly you know i feel like i do my best work um there's something beautiful of course about the collaboration process and working with people and having these conversations but i also know that i work best like from my environment where i'm i feel like i'm my best engineer in that way where it's like I, i know exactly where i need to punch in i know exactly what bar i need to go to i know all that information you know so definitely in a position where I really enjoy recording from home, you know?
0: Yeah. It's, it's comfortable. I, I, there's parts I can do here, you know, with, you know, uh, like Keyscape or things that are direct. Um, but I'm glad I have the office at third coast. Cause they give me, you know, and, and I want to take more advantage of this <laughs> in this next year. Um, they give me, basically free reign to like practice you know i could fire up the ssl and just you know plug in lines see like you know a being amps like i could just spend time of course doing that kind of
1: yeah work behind the scenes (laughs) of course of course and obviously you know depending on what instrument you play it could be more straightforward depending like yeah i'm just doing a mono channel (laughs) trumpet you know (laughs) it's not like it's not terribly complex to record you know and i've I've got a nice i've got like an apollo solo and ton of like uad you know like whatever modulated uh preamps and whatnot so that's cool but yeah if i was recording something more complex then for sure obviously there's a benefit of the studio you know
0: right yeah well and, and i think that's that's a i don't know a healthy way to look at home recording, like, you know, it's not gonna sound like this amazing, you know, multi-million dollar studio, but it is going to sound great within the context of, you know, work being able to work from home. Like it's way better than it would have been even five years ago.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. There's no comparison for sure. For sure.
0: Yeah. And uh thinking of I don't know, big band, I know you're you you mentioned the Count Basie Orchestra and I'm sure that was was that like a nonstop touring thing, or was it like chunk of the year and then you get some type of yeah, offer? Or... It,
1: it 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 varied. Uh, but no, it definitely wasn't nonstop like it was like back in the day. I mean, some of the guys in the band would tell me, you know, in, in like their heyday, they were on tour like 40 weeks out of the year or something crazy like that. It was nowhere oh. it was nowhere near that. But um actually my the first tour I went on with the Basie band was was like my longest tour, it was six weeks. that's the longest i've ever been on the road um it was intense it was an intense six weeks but um yeah man it it was like sporadic some months it would be nothing some months it would be like a one-nighter like in other cases it'd be like a three four week tour it really just it really just depended um but man what a great experience like so much legacy so much history and so much to learn especially coming out of a collegiate program a really strong collegiate program like like msu um but then getting that direct like real world experience was like a whole other level of just like, okay, this is very specialized. This is very particular. And this is a continuing legacy of this is like, there are members that are like performed with count Basie, you know, and so I'm playing on sheet music that was read by the musicians on the original recordings. Like this is, you know, this is major. So. There's a different level of feeling, I think, a different level of, of of application, you know, just like within any field. You study it and you can go to the best program and learn all these things. But when you actually get inside the field, it definitely elevates things to a different level. And that was my my experience and was just very fortunate to have done that as long as I did. And then also to be able to contribute as an arranger and on several recordings. So it's been, a, you know, that's a legacy that I just, I, I really, really appreciate.
0: Yeah, that's like, that's... it's like you hear about a lot of these people or you might meet them at like a clinic and then you know it's like you remember that like nugget of like the hour they did at your school and and you're like i remember when kenny werner he had brought his book and he just slayed on stage i'm like i want to be like that when i'm 65 or however old he is right right and then yeah to have like a regular like oh i show up to work and this dude (laughs) is it he's in the textbook somewhere for jazz history
1: <laughs> right right for sure for sure yeah and yeah,
0: that was like uh was, was that like uh you you finished at msu and auditioned or was it like you know recommendation as a, a sub and you just happened to get the gig or <laughs>
1: yeah so my uh when i was at michigan state Derek gardner uh great great trumpet player and arranger if, if you're familiar uh a little bit he was the he was the jazz trumpet professor there so i studied with Derek. i think for like four out of the six years I was at MSU, I believe he came during my junior year. It's an awesome experience working with him. Um, still really close friends to this day, but he um, he actually was in the Basie band, I believe in his early twenties. Um, and he used to tell us stories about it all the time, you know, just about, you know, different experiences he had on the road. And my reaction was always the same. It was always like, man, I'll never do anything that cool. <laughs> like, I'll never be that cool. Like that's so dope. He tells a story one time about him being in Switzerland like riding on this train and like watching the mountains pass by. And I was just like blown away just at the, you know, the stories, the type of people you worked with. Um, and to me, it was like so incredibly far fetched, like, okay, well, this is never going to happen. Uh, I graduate from MSU and, uh, that following September, like, like right after graduation, uh, Patty Austin was performing at the Detroit Jazz Festival, and there's a Detroit Jazz Festival Orchestra that Rodney Whitaker put together. Mm-hmm. And in the group, uh, Derek Gardner was on the road with uh, Harry Connick Jr., I believe. And so oh, okay. um, he wasn't able to do the gig, otherwise he would have been on it. But Mike Williams was playing lead trumpet, and Mike Williams is the lead trumpet player for the bass band for, for a really, really long time. Um, I remember Derek telling me, he's like, all right now, it's like, now when you do this gig, you're gonna be playing under Mike Williams, he's playing lead, you're playing second. He's like, so just really make sure you dig in and play your part really well and like, just, you know, make it happen. He's like, you never know, you might have an opportunity to play with the bassy band. I was like, all right, let's go. (laughs) Got in there, man, I'm just, you know, and like reading parts is my thing. So I just really dug in and just made sure everything was crystal clear. I felt really, really confident about the whole thing. Well, did that, but then I asked Mike after the gig, he's like, oh man, I love playing with you. I'm like, I love playing with you, Mike. This is awesome, you know, whatever. And I told him, I said, man, I, I. I would love to play with the Basie band sometime. He's like, ah, it's never going to happen. <laughs> that was Mike's response. He's like, they always <laughs> use guys from New York. I'm the only cat from Michigan that they're going to use. They're going to get some New York trumpet player. It's, it's, you know, uh, it was great to play with you, but nah, that's, that's not the way it works. <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool. I guess I'll never play with the Basie band, whatever. But at least I get to play with Mike Williams. It was dope. It was a great experience. Got to work with Patty Austin. Great. So then, uh, only a few months later, uh, I get a uh, call from Derek. He's like, you're about to get a call from the Basie band. I'm like, no, come on, man. It's not going to say, you. no, you're about to get a call. They're looking for a third trumpet player. They called me asking if I knew anybody and I recommended you. I told them you're the only cat that could do the job. They need to hire you. So just get ready. I said, okay. <laughs> Next thing I know, I got a call from D. the, the manager of the basic, you know, orchestra. And, uh, she called me and she said, uh, yeah, Derek Gardner recommended you. We want you to do this six week tour. I think it was like starting in like February of '09. Uh, I'm sorry, of '08. 08. Uh, we want you to do this six-week tour blah 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 uh let's talk about salary and this and this and i was like wait wait wait. i said so um you know do i need to audition she's like Derek Gardner recommended you that was your audition <laughs> she's like she's like i tell you what she's like if you want a spot in the orchestra do well on this six-week tour and that'll be your official audition i was like oh yeah no pressure right there yeah, no pressure at all so I remember I asked her, I said, okay, so if you could like scan some music and send it to me or fax me, it was a long time ago, fax me some music so I can check it out. I just want to, you know, see what we're dealing with so I can practice. And I never got a response to that particular email. Like they never responded to my request to see music. (laughs) So, uh. Anyway, so we, we get out on the first tour. Next thing I know, I just, like, packed up my bags, packed way too, way too much stuff. Six-week tour, and I packed, like, three bags or something ridiculous because I, <laughs> I was new. I was so green. I didn't realize how incredibly impossible it was going to be traveling back and forth with that much stuff, but, you know, you learn.
0: Yep. So I go out on the
1: road. We get to our first gig, and I meet up with some of the cats at the airport. Then we get on the tour bus, um, and we get on the bus. I'll never forget, I went, and I sat down. I uh, just, you know, picked a seat, got on the bus. I was like, I am just want to focus and think about the gig, like what's happening with the gig. So I sit down and Grant Langford, uh, who plays with the Airman of Note now, he walks up. He's like, hey man, uh, yeah, bro, you're sitting in my seat. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hazing the new guy, real funny. He's like, no, seriously, this is my seat. Uh, your seat is uh, third, third row from the back on the left side of the bus. That's where the third trumpet player sits. And dead serious, there was like a signed seating depending on what chair you played, I guess, historically, uh, there were members of the band that like needed a little bit of separation from one another from like, you know, arguments on the road. So like for real, they had assigned seating to like help keep the peace. It's crazy, uh, you know, beautiful. So I I go between my legs, sit in my seat. I'm like, all right, like I just want to get to the gig and let's do it. We get to the venue, uh, Got my suit on, ready to go for the for the rehearsal. I'm like, all right, cool. It's gonna be just like college. We're gonna sit down and we're gonna play through all the charts, and I'm gonna ask questions, and they're gonna, you know, hold my hand through the whole process, and everything's gonna be fine. We have plenty of time. So we uh, sit down, we play "Hey Jim," uh, a Frank Foster chart, and it's the only chart in the Basie book where you start in the upper left hand corner of the music, go to the right. Lower hand corner of the music, and it's just a straightforward chart. It's the only chart, probably in the entire book, that is that straightforward. <laughs> no changes, no additions. Just you read it down. I was like, okay, this is great. Read through it. Everything's good. The guys were like, yeah, man, sound good. I'm like, all right, what's next? What are we gonna rehearse next? All right, guys, uh time for, time for dinner. I'll see you at the hit. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Do so you mean to tell me we're just gonna go play this gig now? Like, I don't get to run through. It? They're like, oh yeah, you got it, Bubba which was my nickname for a long time. I was either new guy or Bubba. Uh, And so then they like hand me a set list right before we break for dinner. And it's got like, you know, the names of all the tunes, Chinese stockings, April and Paris, all all the classics. But the songs are in numerical order. All the songs have been kind of like randomly, like as they were added to the book, each one of them has a number, but they're not in alphabetical order. So like, there's no numbers on the set list. So I have absolutely no idea how to put this music in order. So the guys are like, Going through and help me i'm like uh what numbers hey jim oh it's 146. Uh, what what about Moten swing oh it's gonna be 32 like calling off the numbers to me and i'm having to put <laughs> the the music in order i'm freaking out trying to look at the music at one point uh andre rice who was uh sitting playing fourth great just uh, he's in the bass band to this day he took a break actually for a minute um and then you know rejoined but he's giving me some advice He's like oh yeah we're gonna have to do this hat thing at the end of one o'clock jump don't look at the chart the chart isn't really what we play you're gonna have to go boop bop boop boop bop, and like all these hat motions and i'm like where is this notated oh it's not notated anywhere so we go off to dinner i'm internally freaking out uh i'm very uncomfortable but i'm like i know how to read i'll be okay we eat dinner i barely ate anything we come off the performance <laughs> ladies and gentlemen the world famous count basie orchestra and so we come out, I'm waving and I just feel like my imposter syndrome's on fire. Right. Just like, why yeah. am I here? <laughs> and uh, it went pretty well, man. You know, like we played, we played through Hey Jim first. We started playing through a couple songs and started to get to lay of the land. I'm like, okay, this is okay. Then we get to little darling and we get to little darling and in my head, I'm thinking, boo, duh, duh, duh. you know, like, like everybody, every college band ever plays it. right? And they start off with the intro. And it was like, boom, bling, dum, bling, dum, bling, boom, <laughs> And I'm just like, this is the slowest tempo I've ever played in my <laughs> life. And it was so, they were so tight and precise. Everybody was there. And I kept, as they call it, stepping in holes where like, I didn't know their phrasing. I didn't know how they were gonna play it. We get to the one phrase where it's like mm-hmm. That's not how they played it. They're like do And they change this phrase: do and I'm just, and it's not on the music. It's just written the regular way on the music. <laughs> so you're really like sight reading and at the same time figuring out how to adapt to the to the to, to decades of phrasing that's been developed as a band. And you think about it in any given band, you you change things all the time. Mm-hmm. But they don't you we know, don't necessarily write them down. So it was a beautiful trial by fire experience. But this is by far my favorite Basie story and on the same night. We get done with the first half. I looked. I looked through the, all the charts. I was like, I don't have any solos. Thank God, I'm not. I'm good. I don't need to solo tonight. I just need to focus and play my parts. Then we start playing Shiny Stocking to the beginning of the second half, so we're playing through the chart. I'm like, okay, cool. I looked through. I'm like, Andre's got the solo. Everything's safe. Here comes Andre. Hey, Chris. Guess what? You got the solo, you got to go out front, and so here I am, i sight reading the third trumpet part and peeking over at the fourth trumpet part, trying to memorize the solo changes, because I have to go step out in front of the Basie orchestra for the first time in my life. And I was like, let's see this too. Yeah. I was 24 straight out of grad school. And so I'm memorizing the changes. We get to the solo break. He just kind of kicks my chair. I walk out and I just went for it, man. And like, you know, it was fine. Right. <laughs> you know, it, I survived. And the cool part is we got through Like the entire six weeks was like that. By the end, I got very comfortable with the music. And then next thing I know, it was like, all right, cool. Yeah. You're in the bass. You did a great job. And that was my, that was my audition. <laughs> It was pretty intense. Wow. Now it's like, man, I've been in I've sat in situations where they like they truly like rehearse with the cats and like give them like time to get acclimated. I'm like, oh, wait, 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 wait. That's not how you did things with me. But yeah. it's so cool, man. I, I'm actually glad it happened the way that it happened. It makes for a, a much cooler story. And uh, I'm probably a better musician because of it. So. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's 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 so true that like, you know, it, it in like academia, they they prep you. Like, all right, your jury's at the end of the semester, or this concert's on this holiday, or, and it's like, all right, in my head I have, you know, x amount of weeks or x amount of days. I got the music, we got rehearsals, and then in the real world, it's like, hey, can you do this tomorrow? And, <laughs> and you're, you're like, you're uh, lucky uh, if you
1: did it tomorrow. Right? You're lucky <laughs> if you did it tomorrow. You know, yeah. But I think it's good for you. <laughs> it's really good for the soul. So.
0: Yeah, I definitely grew a lot uh, when I was still at Western. Um, in graduate school, I, um, got a call to sub in for, um, uh, wicked when it came to DeVos performing. Oh, nice. All. That's one
1: of my favorite musicals. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I was like, it's not really that familiar with it. And I, I loved the experience. It was, it was a ton of fun, but it was the same deal where it was like, I got the call on like a Sunday evening. And then the next day I got the music in like the evening and I was like, okay, I have a couple hours I can run stuff. And then he hands me the book and was like, oh yeah, and the rehearsal's tomorrow at, you know, like three or something or four. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I like yeah. drove up and like, you know, fumbled through the rehearsal and they're like, oh, you got a ghost a couple times. And I was like, okay, that's good. Cause I don't know this MIDI setup yet. And
1: yeah, and- of course,
0: but that first show was on sun, you know, it was like the following Sunday. So it, it definitely felt like it's like everything has to, nothing else is happening except for this until Sunday. Yeah,
1: for sure. For sure. But yeah. it's, yeah. it's, it's beautiful, man. And I think it's important for like, just for, you know, young students to know, like, great, enjoy this like holding period, like yeah. while you can, but trial by fire is a very real thing and it's not, it's not done out of spite it's just like this is just the way the world works we don't always have time to like make everything convenient you know i do my best to like make my musicians as comfortable as possible but we all know man we get thrown into situations that are uncomfortable all the time and it's just it's just life
0: yeah it's and and it only increases with like the more skills you get (laughs) it's like there's more people you know like can you play this show and run sound and
1: (laughs) yeah exactly it's
0: it's like i can i've here we go yeah
1: yeah exactly exactly yeah
0: yeah then and it i'm sure it was you know with the the orchestra not having the full year it was good you know you said like the longest was like a six week tour to have you know that time before and after each year to kind of like reflect on like that time and also you know take what you've learned in the band and start applying it elsewhere and
1: oh yeah absolutely man so like um i mean really there were just so there are always always so many things happening like i bought my first uh we, we did our first week and i got paid we used to get paid in cash we like mm-hmm. sign off on the this is crazy <laughs> get paid in cash uh, there's a long story behind that but i remember getting like handed this like wad of cash for my first week of tour and i was like okay so I like went and found like took a cab and found a bank of America where I could like deposit some of it <laughs> trying to figure out why like, I don't know what to do. And then I took like a, a, a chunk of it and went to a guitar center. Like took it, again, this was before Lyft or Uber. So I took a guitar center, uh, took a cab to a guitar center and bought my first MIDI controller, an M-Audio 49, you know, key station. Oh And yeah. my first USB microphone, like this M-Audio, like USB microphone which I used on like a ton of projects and a pair of headphones and was like, all right, cool. While I'm on the tour bus, like we've got all this time on the road I want to create. So like I set the precedent for myself right away that like, I'm not, you know, I was like reading and stuff too. That's cool. But while we are on the road, man, I was on my like figuring out how to use GarageBand for the first time and like experimenting and learning and growing. And uh, it was pretty dope. It was a pretty dope experience for sure.
0: Yeah. That sounds just like a, yeah 11 years it's like a a chunk of your life is yeah yeah cool experience
1: for sure i took about a like three-year break okay uh, in in the middle of that uh, after my first son was born um but yeah yeah man quite a bit of time and again it's not like it was like this is your entire life it was like a large chunk of your life but it was like one of many things that i was doing and at the same time you know doing various educational positions and doing film scores and teaching private lessons and Writing a ton, just yeah. you know living living about four lives at the same time, okay. yeah
0: all the the many hats that go with each life,
1: yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, you mentioned uh film score is is that like was that because I'm always curious how people like you know because I feel like a lot of the stuff I stumble into is like, oh, I met a dude who needed me for a thing, I showed up prepared, and now I have a thing that came out of that, and, and right. Other right. times it's like, you know, like when I went to Bang in a Can Summer Music Festival, that was like, okay, I know some of the faculty, but that doesn't guarantee I'll get in. I'm shot in the dark, just apply, see what happens. Um, so, yeah, that uh, yeah, film scoring. That's a, a. I'm always interested in.
1: Yeah, I, I, f- I actively <laughs> pursued that. I very actively pursued that. So um, I remember when I was in high school, I was checking out uh, Terrence Blanchard's album "Jazz in Film," uh, and it just like changed my life. Like just hearing, you know, first of all, just hearing how much like beautiful music was coming out of film, but then hearing, of course, Terrence's like interpretation of it. And then I was also getting really getting into Spike Lee movies around the same time. I was like, oh, that, okay, cool. So Bill Lee did a lot of like Spike's early scores, and then, you know, from uh, Jungle Fever on, it was Terrence Blanchard. So I started checking all his scores, and I was like, oh, okay, great. I need to write. I want to write for film. Started studying film scores. Like I was really into that all throughout college. Like I knew like I wanted to study, but there wasn't really much opportunity to do anything about it one i was so busy studying jazz and i was studying composition all things i'd utilize later but um again after that time with the basie band i started being like okay i really want to i really want to do this so there's a there was a website called mandy.com that was like apparently was like really big in the film world at one point it was kind of like the craigslist of the film world where it's like if you were a grip or if you were you know a a director or a cinematographer or whatever like this is where like the listings were or like of where you could get stuff so there's, of course so many like inner workings happening but for like people start starting out and i imagine sometimes some bigger things this was like where the jobs were posted so remember i had like some compositions that i had played and recorded and i you know had recordings of them but they were all like live jazz stuff no professional studio stuff and i'm on mandy.com and like constantly i'm talking like like probably like 20 a week i'm applying for all these different like music needed most of them were for free most of them were like you'll get a copy of the film after like right. <laughs> yeah. but it, it was like you had even to get this these like free films you had to have like a lot of experience i had zero experience and so i was applying for things a couple people were like uh, oh, the music you submitted it doesn't sound like somebody actually told me like It doesn't sound particularly polished like i was like well yeah it was a live recording they're like well we need to hear and see what you would do to film and especially back then it was just like it was a lot more difficult to just like oh cool let me just grab this clip off of whatever and throw it It, the the technology like wasn't as available then and also i was just trying to figure out how to navigate it so finally um was this comedic web series called the punani diaries um (laughs) Uh, and oh, thankfully, like Lisa Robinson from there and, and Phil Branch, they, they fell in love with my music and they were like, you know what, your music sounds dope. Everybody that's doing this is just kind of doing it to like get our feet wet and production and try things. And like, we think you sound dope, like let's go for it. And so they, they sent me a couple episodes and I was, I was working in a combination of Reason and GarageBand. And I just started putting the music together. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I watched a couple of videos, tried to figure it out, made a ton of mistakes, I'm sure. But I'm still happy. This music still sounds dope like to this day. But it's, it's, it was a web series on YouTube. And it was, man, it was a really great experience. I learned so much about the process. And then from there, it was like, okay, great. I have something to show for my work. So now the next time, it was like a domino effect. As soon as I had something that I had a credit on, I was able to take that and then show people what my work was. And I started getting more free jobs, eventually some paid jobs. And, uh, some of those early connections I made led to future opportunities. And then over time it was like, that was like another notch on my belt of like, okay, cool. This is something that this person does. And there's like evidence of it. That's really a lot of what it took. But at first I felt like it was like, it reminded me of when I first was like, I want to learn how to play jazz. And I'm just showing up to jam (laughs) sessions like, all right, what do you have? And I couldn't play anything yet, you know? (laughs) But then over time, it's like, you spend enough time around it. You get better and better at it. You build your network up. It's, you know, it's not something I'm doing full time, but I do get, you know, a number of clients, you know, submitting to Sundance and different film festivals. Um, there was one project I did, I'm really proud of a project called King Esther that was created by Dewey Gerard and, um, Dewey created this project, man. He found me on Instagram, just saw my music on Instagram, saw some stuff I did and reached out, um, it was a great project and it actually ended up on Issa Ray's YouTube channel. Um, E. C. Ray presents. And oh, okay, yeah. Actually, ended up getting nominated for like a for like a daytime Emmy for, under their web series category. Uh, so, oh. um, yeah, that project was was dope too. It was one of those situations where, uh, talk about a situation where I I kind of misread the room. He's like, yeah, I want to send you all the files and the music. We negotiated the rate, whatever. He's like, and I want to I want to come out to Utah. I was at U- in Utah at the moment. He's like, I want to come out to Utah and just like and work on the project so what he meant was i want to fly out we can watch it together we can kind of talk about the way music would fit in and kind of have some discussions that we can discuss a timeline you can let me know i took that as oh okay you want to come out and we're going to score the whole thing like while you're in town cool like that was my interpretation of it (laughs) which is very different from what he had in mind so uh caroline um uh, his, his partner caroline came out and she actually came in a night earlier than him and he's like, yeah, you could get together with Caroline you guys can, can work this stuff out. And so she came in and sat down, we watched through some stuff and I immediately went over to the piano, started working on some ideas and she's like sitting on the couch in my office. I was like, all right, cool. I have an idea. I'm going to record it right quick. And she's looking at me like I'm crazy. Cause again, I didn't get the memo that this wasn't, we weren't supposed to just start writing. Yeah. So I just started creating the score and started working this stuff out and but like by the end of the night, I think we had like, I think I had the pilot and these are, you know, short episodes, but I had the pilot, I think in like one and a half episodes done. So he flew in the next day and came in and watched the pilot and like had to excuse himself. He just like walked away and he came back. He's like, okay, I guess keep going. And that's when they explained to me that's not what they had in mind, but like scored the entire series. Like all, you know, I don't remember how many, like it was eight episodes, whatever it was in that weekend i was like i have the time set aside let's let's get it and so during that weekend we you know hooked the whole thing up and i was really happy it was nice having them there because they weren't like intrusive on my process but anything it's like okay cool give me 15 minutes and i'd start like working on some stuff working stuff through like okay give me some feedback they say oh well can, can we bring this in a little later can we try this and it was actually this really dope like collaborative experience as opposed to being like intrusive at all it was really right. just like, a beautiful moment there was something really special about that i recently did a um recently did a, a a proof of concept for him for another project and our experience i think was very was very similar like we always just had like a really great working relationship
0: that's great yeah and to, to yeah to like <laughs> get a head start on it in the way that like like the misreading of it. It's almost like you just showed up and impressed them immediately. <laughs> just like right. just from natural, like, Oh, I just, all right, let's get to work. We got the time. Let's, let's make it happen. And.
1: <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. 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 It was, it was pretty cool, man. It was a really, it was a really beautiful experience. It was.
0: Yeah. And yeah. And it's like at this point too, in in your career, cause I saw like, you know, you're at MSU, uh, i can't remember the specifics of what yeah, you're just teaching, make
1: up yeah. The uh, i'm the uh, executive director of michigan state university's community music school in detroit and so oh, okay. community music school it, uh, we offer uh lifelong education so we're starting with early childhood music with music therapy with you know group lessons for elementary and you know grade school students as well as like ensembles for for adults and opportunities for continuing education uh, right in the city, so it's not a degree, you know, program, but it's really, truly just like a, a, a music hub that can provide music education for for anyone in the community. Um, so I'm really proud to be leading that team. I just finished my third week, and so right now, honestly, you know, wrapping my head around all the many offerings we have, and and meeting with the staff and faculty, and just finding ways in which we can be even more impactful. But the work that's being done through that program is is truly transformative for the city. And uh honestly that was that was my experience growing up. There are so many youth programs that I was a part of that led me to where I am now. So it's really big for me to be able to continue in, in that direction and, and to be able to to really think about how do I contribute and how do I serve in a way in which I can take my musical experiences, my experiences as an artist, and help pour that back into the community that I'm from.
0: Yeah, that's always that's a great way to think about, you know it's almost built into like studying an instrument or, you know, pursuing music as a career or the arts in general, Mm -hmm. just being, you know, motivated by the people who either taught you or, you know, your influences that you're listening to all the time and you want to, you know, impart some of those nuggets of wisdom of like, Yeah, and I see that you you're trying to figure out that thing. I'd learn this little trick from this guy, or hey, try this thing out next time you're writing a blues or, you know Right,
1: for sure, for sure. And in this particular role, I'm not directly responsible for the teaching. It's really, as the administrator, it's, you know, grant writing and it's, you know, connecting community partners and things of that nature. But there's also a lot of opportunity for mentorship for the teaching faculty, uh, mentorship for, you know, for the staff that the administration staff as well, finding more ways that we can be effective and just kind of leading the artistic vision of the of the of the school.
0: Yeah, to have a, a space where at any point in anyone's life in the city they can learn something from there they can have they have a resource like maybe Mm -hmm. they grow up in it and then their kids grow up in it and there's like just families that are just generations of art lovers and music makers
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely man, absolutely
0: yeah that's something i i haven't spent a ton of time in detroit i've i've been you know i've I've played random shows and i i have family that lives near there so i've seen the city in and out over probably the last fifteen years, just random mm-hmm, going mm-hmm. goings on. But every time I go, I feel like there's, it, it's never like as much as Detroit gets advertised as. Like the the auto industry's gone, it's over, it's the apocalypse. Oh. And, and especially not
1: now. I mean, the city is really there's a lot happening. There's a whole lot happening in the city right now.
0: Yeah, it seems super like every time I go back, there's something there's something new and it's not just like, Oh, Lululemon's lemons here. It's like, there's more culture and people interacting and yeah, it just looks like a, a very vibrant city.
1: Oh, for sure, man. It definitely is. It's been, um, yeah, it's really a great experience being there, you know? Uh, and to be the to be a part of that growth and to be a part of that change is just something that uh i'm really proud of you know especially considering you know I, I came out of michigan states program i came out of youth programs in detroit put those things two things together it's a it's a no-brainer for me it's just like let's impact change and let's let's uh instill you know uh musical skills in the community and just uplift the way that everybody's creating art and what's great is it's not all about you know the mission isn't let's create all the, the, the next musicians, the next it musicians. (laughs) Cool. there is some of that. And there's some great musicians that are coming through. It's really just about like, how do we, you know, uh, create edification in people's lives, like through the arts, you know, how do we just like show people how music can be a part of just like them growing as, as humans and having these dope human experiences. So. Um, it's really cool, and it's, it's different. It's different than the than the academic, um, you know, degree program mindset of of teaching at a university. Um, but it's also really cool because now it's like, all right, well, we're we're dealing with people who are touching an instrument for the first time and may or may not continue to play this for the rest of their lives. We're also dealing with students who are really serious about this and already know this is what they want to do, or people who like you know, took piano lessons when they were like little kids, didn't stick with it, and now they're retired and they want something to do. So we have a combination of all that, like all in one hub. Um, and it's beautiful just watching the community shine.
0: Yeah, that's, that's like, to have a space like that, that you could guide people towards. Like, I, I think of all the times, and yeah, you know, like a lot of musicians have this where you're at a gig, somebody comes up, and it, you know, it's like, oh, I'd love to play piano or Oh, I took yeah, I took lessons when I was, you know, eight and now I've I I think I should have stuck with it. And it's like, well, hey, you could go here and you could totally exactly. stick with
1: it. Yeah. And that's really, you know, I think that's the thing that's that's really amazing about all this is like it's never too late, man. You can introduce this stuff into your life at any given point. I always I always laugh at my students, especially my college students, who are just like, Oh man, I just feel like I'm I'm so behind on Man, there's all this music production stuff i'm like whoa 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 i went through six years of college i went all the way through undergrad all the way through through grad school probably touched a midi controller once yep and like a digital music class that i was forced to take <laughs> my to me music technology was finale <laughs> on my little weak pc and spyron like laptop right <laughs> that was music technology and then I got into the world of producing from hanging around um one of my best friends solomon parham uh was really always trying to like man get reason get this software check this out check this out but i wasn't like really into it yet i wasn't like i wasn't there but he was telling me to check it out He's was like this is the, that next wave then i started hanging out with this uh music producer and, and mc and artists and everything uh jose moore uh, who was living in in lansing and He started, man, we started making like a project together because he really wanted some like live horns and instrumentation. I started watching what he could do in GarageBand. And I was like, this is rough, especially when he sat down and not on like a MIDI keyboard, but on the keyboard of his Mac, he was playing bass lines. And for him, it wasn't like theory. He wasn't like, we're in G minor. He was like, this sounds dope, and like playing the keys and coming up with these like dope tracks and making these bass lines that worked and I'm sitting here studying all this music theory and counterpoint. And I was like, okay, there's a different way. And that's all it is. It's just a different culture and a different way of making music that is really fantastic. So I just dug into it, you know?
0: Yeah. And, and to have like, I don't know, the, the, the academia going into the production side of it, it's less about like, you know, how, like, Oh, I know I'm going to arrange these notes. I know how to make charts. I know how to, you know, get everything like pre pre-prepared or I guess prepared. Uh, right, right, right. And then it's, you know, it's getting over that initial hump of like, all right, how do I, what what's gain state? Like what, uh, what's, uh you know, like how do I use compression? Like, how do I use EQ? Like <laughs> just, you know, I, I think there's, there's a level of, um, uh, of hesitation that always comes from trying to learn a new skill like that. And it's, yeah, like once you push through it, it's so rewarding to be like, oh, last year I couldn't even like, like my DAW wouldn't even open and now I can record things.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's a, it's a, it's a different world to play in and explore with. And I think sometimes I think sometimes what happens is we get into this like versus mindset where we think, ooh, it's this way or it's this way. Mm -hmm. And really, it's like, no, there's just two different ways of making music and, like, there's plenty of people that do both. And guess what? There's more than just two. There's this this way. There's this way. So any culture, any circle you walk in, I feel like there's, like, a bit of code switching that takes place. So if I'm talking to someone who's, like, in a pit orchestra, communication is going to sound one way. And, like, the idea of a vamp in a pit orchestra is going to be very different than the idea of a vamp in a jazz context. Yeah. In a big band, the idea of like how certain things are handled are going to be very different than how things are handled in a, in a small group. If we're thinking about hip hop production versus pop production versus, you know, gospel music, it's like none of it is like competitive. It's just like, it's just a different way. And what's cool is the more experience you have in these different avenues, the more versatile you become, but also there are things that I can pull from a different style of music and the way that that music's created, I can pull that into my experience in c- creating classical music. You know, right? You end up having these different influences, and to me, I think it's just about keeping an, an open mind. You know,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I definitely feel the 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 code switching aspect. <laughs> I I think of you know I think of myself as almost like a translator, where you know I I, I play in a band uh, Earth Radio, and half the band is like you know, like David Ward I don't know if you know him he's a drummer plays a Vincent Chandler mm-hmm. sometimes okay. and um okay. uh has a band uh, sabbatical bob out in Ypsilanti. Um Yeah yeah he uh he's our drummer now and randomly like he grew up in the, on the west coast and his dad taught my cousin's piano and I was like what <laughs> such a small world <laughs> um no. but with uh with You know, like, okay, David and I both have that collegiate music experience. We have similar, like, oh, we went to music camps. Oh, we did this too when we were in high school. Oh, we, you know, Mm -hmm. that similar music education, performing background. And then the other members of the group, music's always been a part of their life and they've always performed it but they've come from a background where it's like, okay, they know some theory or they know some ways of talking about, you know, Western music happenings. And there's times where it's like, you know, the music, it, the music never suffers because of like, Oh, well, they don't know what C minor is like everyone can
1: mm. do that, but
0: <laughs> it's more like, yeah, you know, like, Oh, they posit a, an idea that's abstract. And then we kind of, use that music education background to analyze it and filter it through. And then we reach a common ground and then, Oh, I'm going to go play with, you know, Mark Lavingood, a bluegrass dude. And it's like, Oh, what stuff from jazz and my classical technique can help me keep up with all those pickers <laughs> just <Yeah>. shredding. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. And that and thing too, there's a certain amount of like ego that, you know, that we pick up on, depending on the musicians that we're around. And I think also a lot of times what's, what, what is perceived as being ego is, is a lot of times fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's it's totally cool. There's some stuff that I just don't know. And I'm not afraid to be like, that was dope, what was that? Or that was dope, I don't need to know what that is. That's for you. <laughs> but if I'm in a musical situation, it's just like, okay, cool, man, I can learn from anybody, mm-hmm. you know, at any given time. And I think that openness is important because it's easy to get weighed down. Yep. It's very easy to get weighed down with feeling like, one, feeling like you need to know everything, and two, weighed yeah. down with the comparison game. Like, there's just, it's completely pointless. Like to me, there's no, there's no room for that, for productivity in that. Now there could be, I want that to be an influence, so let me figure out what I can do differently to be able to aspire to do that. But to me, that's the extent of it, you know? Right. Instead of being intimidated by it, just enjoy it for what it is and let it either impact you or just let it roll on by. Maybe it's not for you
0: right. and well and I've definitely felt the the pull in terms of like thinking of, you know, like don't play the comparison game, and then also, you know, it's okay to not know things and music is a journey yeah. the, at the top of next year, I'll have. Uh, This residency with West Shore Community College, I I help uh, – this is my third time rehearsing with the cast for their musical and then kind of being a liaison between the pit and the the cast. Um, And in that time, you know, that's as much of a normal schedule (laughs) as I'll have for a couple months. Like, oh, I, I know Monday through Thursday, these are rehearsal days. I have these days off. I have these days blocked for show weekends or like tech rehearsal and in those two months you know i want to kind of push myself of like all right what happens if i take two months off of socials like Mm. what clarity could be gleaned Uh, like let's observe what happens to you know my mood or my ability to focus or Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and also yeah not playing those comparison games because yeah it's like even if you can rationalize like that you're doing it, you still feel it.
1: <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. But, um, and it's cool is man, like we all we all have an impact that we can make. We all have our ways in which to contribute to the music. And I think we just have to focus on we just have to focus on what our, our individual journeys and just be happy for other people in their journeys. And if you see them doing something, man, ask questions and be influenced by it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's been a huge thing with with social media just being able to like you know, like, oh, I saw, you know, Nick Semrad playing a synth. Hey, uh, what synth was that? That looks like a very versatile instrument. And then he happened to respond. And there was just a little bit of information gleaned of like, okay, if I were to look into buying another keyboard, like this is a, a cool contender because of all the stuff he explained. And it's like just having the that opportunity to like connect with people in a way that, you know, even if it's small, you're still learning from people and it's, and you're seeing more of the human side of them instead of the advertised, you know, marketed side of, of people.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. Yeah, yeah, bro. It's a continuation, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's, I think that's what matters. It's just all just a continuum of, of how we, how we develop, you know?
0: Yeah. Very uh yeah the one thing that I guess was lingering um that I was thinking of uh was i mean, there's you know a million things, but we're both busy people. <laughs> um, uh but seeing how you have a very you know you've you've found this synergy, even if it's not you know a hundred percent always you know. I have work. Li- I am the work-life balance guru. <laughs> it's like not, you know, huh. like you have, uh, you know, between the community school, the, you know, the online courses that you are hands-on with, the, you know, all the arranging and performing you do, um, <laughs> organizing. Like how? How is? how (laughs) because i i want to get to that point with like (laughs) stuff that i'm doing where you know pull back from some of the you know the random jobbing gigs and you know invest more in things that i want to do and kind of grow those things but um i am you know i even bought a hoodie to reflect this i everyone who knows me knows that i'm like i work way too hard (laughs) And, right, right,
1: and right, right, right.
0: There's times where it's like, okay, work hard, but you're the I see you at least how you know you're presenting it on Instagram, working smart with like how you're partitioning.
1: Oh, that's super important. For sure. and, and, and this life. is after years of of not working smart, I'm just working hard and just like burning myself out constantly, you know. Um, so to me, I think a couple of things. One, keeping an organized schedule is. That it may sound like incredibly obvious. But just creating a, creating a plan, creating a plan and sticking to it has been like super super important for me. Um, the other part of it is over time asking for help and being willing to be open to help. Right now, I'll tell you, there's absolutely no way that my various like entities would work without the team that I have. And up until recently, I was my team, and and I suffered because of it. There were way there were things that. I just couldn't keep track over things that i just couldn't do as a result as a result but hiring on my personal assistant uh annie samuels as well as uh, hiring on alicia wrigley uh two of my former students from utah actually um and uh, alicia pretty much like runs so much of office hours so that i can show up and teach and we're making decisions together but it's like you look at the office hours websites like that is alicia so (laughs) I had set up a version of it and she's like okay just let me just, just give that to me <laughs> just yeah, to, take care trees. of it <laughs> it's so much graphic stuff so many things where then it's like it became more about like hey this is what this is what i want to accomplish and then she would break that down and, and ask me for a couple of things like i need you to do xyz and i'm like okay cool i'll have to deliver is this and then all of a sudden there's this beautiful thing there with my website with setting up the classes and so I think that was big for me is being open to accepting help, being open to like hiring someone to help with certain things. Because after a while, it's like, okay, this can't grow if I'm trying to do every little part. And also, I'm good at a lot of things, but there are things that there are other people that other people are better at. And doing all this stuff, she's way better at it than I am. (laughs) So, in in addition to the the time factor, there's also just the expertise of like, where is your time going to be best spent? I'm at a point right now where I want to be able to show up, look at what a problem is, offer solutions to fix it or show up, do my teaching, help everything that I'm doing and be way more big picture in the types of things that I'm participating on instead of being like deep in the weeds on everything. But if I can help to streamline things, help to make things more straightforward and then delegate that, it makes things a lot easier for me. Um, this is all very recent though. Prior to that, it was just being a workhorse. but I think that was important too, because you can't really lead. It's—I'll say—it's more difficult to lead a team if you're not familiar with the type of work that the team is doing, so that you could be a bit more efficient in, in saying, "I need help with this," and you—you you know that you need that help because you've done it. Man, as soon as you start bringing other people on, you start realizing, you start realizing that you're—you're you're benefiting from the ideas and the expertise of other people that you just can't—you just can't accomplish.
0: Yeah, that's a that's huge. Get being able to, you know, ask for help and realize, yeah, realize that you can't be as much as you know the memes of like musicians trying to be their own producer, marketer, promote. Well, you know,
1: some people can do it, man. But after a while, I think everybody benefits from help. You know,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, just surrounding yourself with people who are willing to support in whatever way, and you know, you reach out to just be like, Hey, I, you know, I need someone to work with me. Not like, you know, like do everything for me and I'll reap the benefit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You're
1: working, you're working with for sure, you know, and, and being open to even being managed, I think is, is, is major. Cause it's like, for me, it's like, all right, I don't like, there are certain things on my schedule that I just don't want to take care of anymore. I can literally just say, okay, invoicing. I never want to send another invoice as long as I live i'm completely uninterested i know how to do it but then i found somebody who can do it more effectively i can literally send them a message and say i need you to send an invoice for blah 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 blah." they take care of it they follow up they make sure that and then the money's in the account it's like okay cool that was worth it whatever percentage i just paid you to do that that was a hundred percent worth it because while i just send off this small note there's all these other things that i could be doing rather than being weighed down with all the, the, the paperwork and all the, the stuff in the weeds, you know?
0: Yeah, I I definitely felt that with discussions we've been having in Earth Radio, being a four-piece and three of the four people who've been around since the band started were all in the LLC and, mm-hmm. you know, I helped with the trademarking and we're expand, you know, growing out what we're trying to do business-wise. Just being able to say, like, hey, you know, if you like you sound great on your instrument you're a great creative contributor what other role even if it's something as simple as like networking for the band or you know helping with posting for the band, you know just something Mm to take away from some of the mundane tasks on you know from one person and kind of just help lighten the load for everyone
1: (laughs) right for sure for sure
0: yeah yeah well this has been a great chat (laughs) yeah man
1: I really enjoyed it thank you so much for having me And uh, yeah man this is great just to have this opportunity and I think a lot of people benefit from these conversations which is dope so definitely keep up the work man I I appreciate what you're doing I mean because seriously like you know you think about uh, 20 years ago we didn't have this opportunity to listen to musicians talk in depth this casually it was like promoting a record promoting a tour you know like yeah so it's pretty cool yeah
0: yeah and i appreciate your you know the the stories you had and like all the and all the wealth of knowledge <laughs> and just the i like that you're the way you do socials also it's the blend of creative but it's also very it's inspiring without being too like ethereal it's like tangible inspiration of like oh I'm this fine. is how you latch on to ideas like and grow what you do <laughs>
1: i like that tangible inspiration I'm
0: yeah. yeah you're not on like an arena stage just being like just hustle and then people you know cheering
1: for sure for sure for sure like
0: here's how you can hustle exactly right
1: <laughs> how to hustle in three steps yeah. yeah that's awesome
0: yeah well yeah uh
1: you enjoyed the rest of your day i have a uh, good weekend man. yeah i am about to go build a pc with my older my oldest son that's just like, i've never done it before we got all the parts it's just gonna just got to actually make it happen so. yeah it's expensive legos
0: but it uh, it's, we, it's,
1: thankfully we spent all we need to spend now we just need to put it together <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: man well, it's awesome. good to talk to you yeah great talking <laughs>
1: all right i'll talk to you soon man.
0: all right see ya thanks so much for checking out today's episode with chris johnson so great to chat with him I realized in uh, the respect for his time, (laughs) I neglected to ask him uh, the usual question I end each episode with, which is where you can support him. So I have links included below, like I usually do, Uh, but you can go to chrisjohnsonmusic.com that's where you can find out about everything that he's been involved in as a, a film scorer, you know, hear recordings purchase sheet music of his arrangements check out videos, photos all those good things, all of his socials are also linked below but they're also at the bottom of the home page of his website um, That's where his merch store is also you can, you know, check out the shirts he has, you can check out you know, his Loop Therapy Volume 1 uh, an album that he put out based off of the social media-related posts regarding loops and his, you know, kind of on-the-spot compositions and improvisations. Uh, you can also go to officehourswithchrisjohnson.com. This is where you're going to find all of his courses, including his Logic Pro class and the virtual big band uh, arranging class. Uh, but you also find so many different... Uh, tools and you know nuggets of wisdom Uh, there's freebies too so you can sample some of the types of content that he makes the courses that he teaches Uh, it's a very cool offering in the the grand scope of what chris johnson's offering as an artist and educator and again if you want to support what i do you know patreon.com slash dutchersnetiker dutchersnetiker.com for everything else and we'll see you in next week's episode of Mid Backstage. Take care.